church, as we open God's word this morning, may the Lord speak to us. May he speak to us through his word. May he communicate with us as he does so often. Let me invite you to open the scriptures with me today to uh, the New Testament book of John, the gospel of John, John chapter one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, start off the New Testament. And if you're using a pew Bible and certainly encourage you to do so, if you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you today, you can find this text on page 860. But today we turn to the Gospel of John, which uh, this text, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, will serve as the final text in our present message series titled, He Is Knowing God by Name. And so over the course of this summer, we began in Exodus chapter 3 and God appearing to Moses through the burning bush and revealing his identity, revealing his personal name to Moses as Yahweh, uh, the God who is. The God who just is, who always has been and who always will be. And so in each of the consecutive weeks, we've been building upon that. We've been looking at key passages of Scripture that highlight uh, various names or titles of God uh, that help us understand His character. And so we've seen that He is God Almighty. We've seen that He is the Lord who provides and He is uh, our peace. He is the Lord of armies. He is our shepherd. Today we see that He is the Word made flesh. And then next week, for those that like to know what's uh, coming ahead, we'll embark on a four-week uh, journey with Job through an attempt to walk with God through suffering. How do we as people of faith and the God of scriptures, how do we deal with, how do we walk through, how, do, how are we faithful in the midst of, of suffering that we endure in this life? But the truth is, every time we open the Bible, whether it's Job or John, whether it's Genesis or Revelation, we ought to be asking the, the question, what do the scriptures teach about God here? I'm going to be saying, Lord, correct me where I'm wrong. Lord, expand my understanding of you today where it is shallow. By the presence and the guidance of your spirit, God, help me know you more through your word. So church, may that be our prayer this morning as we open the Bible. Lord, help us to know you more. Speak to us today. As you find your place in John chapter 1, let me invite you to join me standing uh, for the reading of God's word. John 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible reads this way. John writes, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. 
The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's bow together in prayer. And Father, we thank You that You are a God who speaks. We pray that You would speak to us now through the reading and proclamation and application of Your Word. Lord, confront us, correct us, shape us, captivate us by the presence and power of your Spirit. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, alongside Mark and Matthew and Luke, John is labeled a gospel because it recounts the good news of Jesus' birth and his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. But right away, John introduces a number of of key themes to us in these opening verses. The beginning, the Word of God, life, light, darkness, all themes that take us back to the very first book of the Bible. Key themes in the book of Genesis. When John thinks of the gospel, he naturally goes all the way back to the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word. What Word? Is the word a person or a thing? We, we don't talk this way, but John is drawing on a couple uh, of ideas. First, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, which would have been uh, the completed and compiled scriptures that would have been used in Jesus' day. In the Old Testament scriptures, he's drawing on the use of God's word, his, his speech, his communication, his revelation, his self-expression. Divine disclosure. That's the first idea at play here. Second, though, in the Greek philosophical world, which would have especially impacted Greek readers or Gentile readers in the New Testament, but also Jews as well, especially Jews living outside of Israel. Uh, this word that John uses, logos, described the rational principle believed to control the world. And as John continues his message, even right here in these opening verses, he makes clear that in his mind, the Word is God, and specifically, the Word made flesh is Jesus. In other words, Jesus is God's self-expression. And, and tapping into that Greek philosophical idea, he subtly suggests that the universe was not sustained, is not sustained by some rational principle, but by God himself. God is the Word made flesh. What does it mean that God is the Word? Well, it means that God expresses Himself. He expresses Himself. He communicates. He reveals Himself. Let's do something for a moment here. Everybody, right where you are, close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes and imagine that there is nothing. No floor beneath you, no Building, surrounding you, no people, no trees, no birds, no sun, no planets, nothing except God. You got it? Makes sense? And if you say yes, then I know you're probably either going to sleep or you're lying because our finite minds have a really hard time with this. You can open your eyes now. In the beginning was God. In the beginning, there was, there was God, Father, Son, and Spirit, in perfect unity and harmony, three in one, and nothing else. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. One, one. 
John parallels that account here. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. God alone, the one described as the Word, was in the beginning. And then, what did He do? He created. Like an artist with a canvas, God expressed himself by creating. He made things to display beauty and order, stars and planets and water and dirt and giraffes and butterflies and and rhinos and the list could go on and on. He, He then made people, made human beings in his image to represent him on earth and to live in relationship with Him, to know Him and to enjoy Him. Through creation, God expresses Himself. He reveals Himself. He is not hiding or passive or stagnant. He does something, disclosing Himself, and He does so to display who He is, His glory, and to love those He creates. God is the Word, meaning He expresses Himself, and He does so By speaking, God speaks. He speaks. He is not silent. He communicates. In college, I remember taking a number of speech communication classes, uh, I think for a couple reasons. Uh, One was because I had some hours to fill, uh, and that was a short second major. Uh, Another reason was because I thought, you know, if I'm going to go into ministry, it might be helpful to be able to speak to folks and uh, thirdly, perhaps most uh, significantly, I like the professors in that department. It made class interesting. But I remember learning through those classes, probably in each one of them, the significance of nonverbal communication. Now, if you've ever had a speech class, whether it's in a personal or public speaking or debate, whatever it is, then, then you know this. You've heard this before. You are always communicating, even when you're not talking, through gestures through your facial expressions, through attention or movements, all of these silently speak volumes. Now that's not to say that words don't matter. Words matter. Words matter significantly and words matter to God. His word matters for it is from Him and it conveys exactly what He intends. This is why when we gather for worship, we, we open His word. If you ever find yourself in another place, if you ever move from here and you're looking for a church home, make sure that you are somewhere where the Word of God is central, where the Word of God is read and taught and preached, where the truths of God that are conveyed in His Word are sung. Words matter. And apart from them, we'd be lost. However, however, God speaks in addition to His written Word. He also speaks through creation. God speaks through through creation. You might consider creation to be God's nonverbal communication. John chapter 1, verse 3, Through Him all things were made. They were created. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Then light, life, and darkness are all introduced by John in verses 4 and 5, keeping us in the framework, in the mindset of that Genesis creation account. That's where He wants us to be. He's alluding to that account These are things God made. And what He has made 
declares His greatness. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made through creation, so that people are without excuse. In other words, Paul states that certain characteristics, certain attributes of God are known simply by observing what He has made. Simply by looking at creation, namely that there is a God, that he is powerful, that he is wise, that he is caring, that he is creative. There's order and intentionality to what God has made. Have you ever just been in awe of what God has made? I'm sure you have. For most of us, all it takes is slowing down a little bit and seeing something perhaps we haven't seen before. Perhaps going to the beach and listening and watching the the waves crash against the sand. Maybe it's waking up early one morning and watching the sun rise up over the the mountain. Maybe it's climbing a mountain. Maybe it's floating down a river. Maybe it's visiting the mountains in the wintertime. Maybe it's driving through flat farmland in the, the summertime. Maybe it's sitting on the grass and watching the ants work. Maybe it's seeing a a winter field covered with snow geese. Or maybe it's watching a bird build a nest or a meadow filled with deer grazing. Maybe it's looking up at the sky on a a dark night and looking at the numerous stars in the heavens. God speaks through creation. And then God speaks more directly through the scriptures. He speaks through the scriptures. You see, it's one thing to walk Uh, through an art museum and gaze at the paintings. It's another thing entirely to to hear the artist tell about the paintings. Why did she make it? What does it mean? Who who, who does she hope will see it? It's like visiting a a museum and, and seeing things and being able to take some things away from that, but often we need a guide, we need a messenger, a representative to show us and to even interpret for us, to tell us what it all means. And likewise, God speaks through His messengers in order to tell what it all means, who He is, what He has done, what has happened, how we can know Him. Through creation, God clearly speaks of His existence, giving us a sense of our accountability and our responsibility to Him. But creation alone leaves us guessing as to the status of our relationship with Him. And how to make our relationship with Him right. And this is why He sends His messengers. This is why He sent the prophets. John says, verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through Him all might believe. He Himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. See, prophets and apostles and To a lesser extent, preachers and teachers today are called to speak on behalf of God. To to be a voice for God always and only to the extent that they speak the message and the content of the written word of God. When we depart from the scriptures, we're doing our own thing. And, And sinners doing their own thing can 
very quickly become a sinful thing, which is why we must insist on starting with God's Word. The written Word of God tells of God's standard and His, his story. A creation reveals His power, His Word, His written Word reveals His plan. God's plan, in His plan, He called a people. He set them apart to be His people, to be His special possession, to walk in relationship with Him. He told them who He was and who He expected them to be and how they could spread who He was to the rest of the world. So when His people are gathered together, preparing to enter the land, the promised land that He had promised to them, He he said to them, Through his messenger, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, he said, Hear, O Israel, listen up, my people. This is who I am. The Lord, Yahweh, our God. Yahweh is one. The Lord is one. In other words, there's no one else like me. I'm the only one. This is who I am. This is what I desire from you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. He says, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What's he saying? In other words, he's saying, don't forget my words to you. Don't forget the content of my instruction. Don't forget who I am. Hear it, learn it, pass it on so that you and those that follow you will know me. His letter to the Romans, Paul recounts the glorious good news of God's grace that's made available to all through Jesus. And he states plainly for us what, what God's grace means, what it is. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, the earnings of sin is death. This is what you deserve, he says. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's grace, the gift of God. And he goes on in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's quoting an Old Testament prophet, a messenger from God. Everyone who calls on the name of, of Jesus will be saved. This is good news. God provides salvation and anyone who calls on Jesus will receive it. But then he continues, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In other words, there's content to this message That calls us to repent and to turn to the Lord and to walk in right relationship with Him, to to be right with Him, to be reconciled. There's content to the message and it must be heard. God speaks. He tells us who He is, how we've disrupted our relationship with Him, and then He tells us how we can be made right with Him now and forever. A message recorded in the Scriptures and embodied through the Incarnation. God speaks through the Incarnation. He speaks through creation, through the scriptures, and through the incarnation. Incarnation means in the flesh, describing this supernatural act whereby the eternal Son of God took on a complete human nature, revealing the fullness of God's character and will as a human being. God speaks indirectly through creation speaks directly through the Scriptures, and He speaks personally through the coming of Jesus. See, John says the, the true light, verse 9, that gives light to everyone, 
was coming into the world. Verse 11, he, he came to that which was his own. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And Jesus, God expressed himself. In Jesus, God self-disclosed, or as one author put it, Jesus embodied divine communication. In Jesus, God came fully. So the written word reveals the character and will of God, so Jesus reveals the character and the will of God. He reveals God the Father. He is divine self-expression or the ultimate self-disclosure of God. When we look to Jesus, we're looking to God. When we listen to Jesus, we're listening to God. When Jesus speaks, God speaks. He is the Word made flesh. And in taking on flesh, the Word of God was able to complete and fulfill the plan of God recorded in the Word of God. A plan that involves 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God making him who had no sin, the sinless one. God incarnate, the sinless lamb. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, to take our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Great exchange, the central message of God's word. Christ gives himself away, a substitutionary sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice so that we could take on His innocence, His righteousness, so that we could go from being guilty to not guilty. So that we could be restored, so that we could be right with God. Because the Word became flesh, the Gospel happened. Because the Word became flesh, redemption happened. Because God spoke in this way. Friends, we can know and delight and enjoy God forever. Because the Word became flesh, we can live forever as Children of God, verse 12, who received the Christ who is the way, the way to heaven, the way to the Father, the way to life. I wonder if you've ever wondered if you were saying something the right way. Maybe you had a presentation to give or a speech to make and you carefully considered how you were going to say what you were going to say to make sure that you said it in the right way. Maybe it wasn't a speech. Maybe it was an email or a message, text message or some other form of communication you needed to respond to and you weren't sure how to say what you needed to say to be sure that it was going to come across in the right way. By the way, don't ever get in a fight over an email. Nonverbals matter, right? Because we are flawed, sometimes we say things we don't mean. And sometimes we don't say things very clearly. And sometimes we use poor word choice. Sometimes our words are ineffective, but not God's. God's word is effective. God's word is effective. When God speaks, things happen. Because his word is powerful and effective. And we see this in the scriptures. We see it in the creation account. And God said, and it happened. Time and time again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, verse 9, And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 33, verse 9, For God spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. God said, 
concerning his word through the prophet Isaiah. He said, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See, God's word is effective. It works. It accomplishes the mission for which it is sent. That's why it's so important that we both receive the word and we send the word. God promises to bless and to accomplish through his word. And just as God's spoken word produced life on earth, so his incarnated word gives life to the spiritually dead. In this way, God's word is not only effective, but it is personal. God's word is personal. It's personal. God speaks through creation, through the scriptures, and through the incarnation, and his speaking is to us. Friends, he speaks to us. He speaks to his creatures. Let that sink in for a moment. Consider the vast gulf between us and God, and yet God, he speaks to us. And he doesn't speak to us like we speak to our pets. It's not dog talk or cat talk or baby talk. or whatever. He speaks clearly and fully. He communicates with us. He wants to be in an ongoing relationship with us. He speaks to men and women made in his image, made to know him and to receive his love. The author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors, he spoke to people. He spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. God has spoken to us, to me and to you. He's spoken to us by his son. John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He came to us. Friends, God is the word expressing himself and speaking to us in order to be known by us. God wants to be known by us, for he knows that we will never ultimately be satisfied apart from knowing him. We were made for him. He has made himself known by creating, by communicating, and by coming to save all expressions of his love for us. God's creation, his communication, and his coming reveal his love for us. I think that's what John is saying here. God's creation, his communication, and his coming reveal his love for us. Have you considered his love for you? Have you considered what God has done? Have you considered what God has done for you? He wants to be known by you. Friend, have you heard his voice? Have you heard the word? Have you received the word? Do you know the one who is the word? He is the word made flesh for you. Father, we thank you that you care for us. Lord, you are not a distant God. You don't make us and set things in motion and then remove yourself. No, you speak to us. Lord, you know all about us. As your word says, you know every move we make before we make it. You know every thought we think before we think it. You know every word we speak before we say it. Lord, you know us fully and completely. And yet you desire to be known by us, Lord, to be in a right relationship, 
intimate fellowship with us. Lord, you care for us. And because you care, you speak. Despite our rebellion, despite our flaws, despite our sin, you speak to us. Lord, may we listen. May our hearts be open to you. May we continually respond to you in a way that hears your voice and glorifies the name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.